Welcome to Christian International's Teaching of the Week, a podcast where we dive into the best handpicked lessons from Christian International's vast library of sermons, lessons, and conferences. We're looking forward to now tonight. I'm going to be preaching on my book that's just come out on God's World War III. I want to share a few things with you here. How many has never been here before in IGAP? Oh, several. Oh, good. Fresh meat. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let me just for your sake, most people know my background, but some of them may not be as familiar. I started preaching in 1954, pastoring a church, pastored five years, evangelized three years, and then uh, taught in the Bible college five years, then built birth and built Christian National undergraduate and graduate correspondence Bible college, wrote and courses and courses and all kind of stuff and studied work. That was, that was the first 30 years. And then when God gave me the revelation of a company of prophets and asked me if I gave me the vision of it and asked me if I'd take a father and role in it, that started the second 30 years in 1983. And now we're 30 years down the road again, and God's getting ready to do some great and mighty things. Amen. <laughs> Praise God for that. You're, you're going to be a part of that. How many have a sense in that something's about to happen? Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I have done spiritual warfare in about 30 nations around the world. Let me give you just a little background because uh, this book is going to shake up some of you because I show why God's justified back in the Old Testament fighting with his people against ungodly people and killing millions of them. Amen? God's a great fighter. I'm going to show you before it's over. You're going to realize God's a fighter. And I was speaking to an evangelical the other day, a dispensationalist who's a very strong Israel and all that. And they said, well, we don't believe God kills anybody. I said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. I said, yes, you do. I just heard you preach that when all these nations come against Israel, God's going to send fire down from heaven and kill millions and billions. Right? Come on, preachers. And that's what you, how many ever thought, how many believes God's going to defend Israel in these last days? Well, who's going to defend them? And who's going to kill all those people? Oh, my, 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 my. All right. Now, but tonight, I'm going to take some of you from your charismatic cruise ship over to your prophetic apostolic war battleship, and we're going to blow demons out of the water and out of this area. Amen? And we're going to trade your Santa Claus Jesus in for the mighty man of war. Hallelujah. God is a warrior. We'll find that out before the night's over. But when I first started my ministry a lot, my traveling ministry, and the Bible college teaching ministry. I was the only latter rain teacher there that was moved in faith for praise in the dance because I was raised in Pentecost where you had to go, fall apart, jump, juggle, flip-flop to dance to the Spirit. But we started in the latter rain movement. I was at the meeting in 1954 where the sovereign move of God came in in Crescent Beach Bible Conference in Canada. And 800 people started praising God in the dance without being in the spirit out of control. And you don't have any old Pentecostals here so far. How many youngins under 70 have ever been told? <laughs> I guess that's so far back. Most people are dead that used to do that. I'm still alive. I did it. <laughs> I danced in the spirit. And my, I mean, my power got hit my ankles, my knees, and I, I became the white tornado. I made a brand new aisle. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> People say, don't you feel ashamed of all that wildfire? I said, we had more fun in the wildfire than you did in your ice house. <laughs> 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 but my, my ministry was liberating people in the praise in the dance. 
and uh, used to, I'd get my feet off the floor. Can you keep that picture up there on the overhead? Because I taught people how to praise him in the day. <laughs> yeah, I used to get up there, amen. <laughs> but I got more to lift now and don't have the lifting ability. <laughs> I told the young people the other, other Sunday, one Sunday here, I don't know how long ago it was, Oh, there's such a joy and blessing for praising the dance. And I got up and said, oh, you got, you got to dance for Bishop. Come on, get there and do what I used to do. I used to get everybody praising the dance. We used to travel to places. I remember it was in, I believe it was Atlanta, Georgia, in the late 60s. We was traveling in ministry, and Tom and Tim would always say, Dad, I don't know how you get these dead churches alive by the end of the service. And went in this church, and it was plucked up dead twice. And I mean, it was just dead. Angels weren't even more around, and God was asleep. I mean, it was just terrible. And they said, Dad, you're not going to get these people moving and shouting and praising God. But before the service was over, they were dancing, praising God, and shouting. I activated them in the joy of the Lord and the praise of the dance. But in the 70s, when God gave me that sovereign visitation in 73, on into the 80s, we started activating people in the prophetic, prophesying. And how many has been activated in the prophetic? You prophesy. Look at that. Amen. How many's got prophecies that have been fulfilled? How many's got some prophecies not fulfilled yet? Now that's not bad news, that's good news. The only person that ever told me every prophecy they'd ever received came to pass, they died in three weeks. How many's glad you have prophecies yet not yet fulfilled? All right. You may be here next year. <laughs> but then in the early 2000s, we started, wrote the book on the saints movement or the day of the saints and started talking about the seven mountains people and that God has ministers on every walk of life and God has, every saint has a ministry. How many believe that? Every saint has a ministry. And so we talked about that. We had the Christian Business Men Association we had developed, worked on that. And then when God started talking about activating the prophets more into warfare and the apostolic, we did that. But then I started writing the books. And the first book I wrote was called The Eternal Church. The original had to put my wedding picture of my daughter on it. She said, this one's no good. It doesn't have a picture on it. But it still has a content. I don't haven't found another book, and I've asked people all over the world, has found a book as, as complete. This has every, it has origination of the church, fallen away of the church, full restoration of the church, every restoration movement since 1500, some before that, then the destiny of the church. And all, all my books that I've written, I go back and quote something from this book. Amen. How many read this book? Oh, see, oh several. But I see a few of you are going to miss a rapture. You haven't read my book yet. All right. <laughs> Then I wrote, God got the revelation of the prophets. We, wrote, we started talking about the prophets and personal prophecy. And we wrote prophets and personal prophecy. Then we, the prophetic movement took place. We had to write the book on prophets and the prophetic movement. This has a seven principles to determining a true move of God and a restoration movement. It has the 10 M's in it. It's got all about prophets. It's, it's just, I don't know whether it's movement only that bothers people not to buy it as much as the other. But this has got more information in it than hardly any of the other books. That. Then... We started training people in the prophetic, and I started getting some granola saints that we needed to adjust a little bit. So we wrote the book, Pitfalls to Avoid and Principles to Practice in the Prophetic. How many studied this book? We have it a college course, a teaching manual, and all of that. And then I knew the apostles had to be restored too, so I wrote the book on apostle prophets and the coming moves of God. And in the back there, I talk about three moves of God I expected to take place before Jesus returns. There would be the saints movement, then there would be an army of the Lord movement, then there'd be a kingdom establishing movement. Where we have the saints movement in 2007, we're now activated into the army of the Lord movement. I'm going to activate you tonight, and before long we're going to have a kingdom establishing movement. Somewhere along in there, Jesus is coming again. 
Amen. And then I, the, the Day of the Saints, we wrote that book because I knew when all five ministers were restored, we could then equip the church and build the saints and have a saints movement. And then I finally caught up with the book I started writing in, in Bible college on who am I, why am I here? Turn to your neighbor and say, who are you and why on earth are you here? <laughs> You're here on earth for a purpose. And eight reasons why God created the human race. Now, what I'm going to cover tonight is a subsidiary number nine. The number nine is God raised, created the human race, besides all these eight major ones, to have a people he could fight with. God's a fighter. If you don't believe me, just set yourself against him. Then God revealed to us in 2008 that the third and final church reformation had begun. The first reformation was the birthing of the church. Second reformation has been the last 500 years of church reformation. And now, 2008, we started the third and final church reformation. And it's a whole new era of Christianity. It's completely revolutionary. People are just not absorbing it yet. But let me encourage the Spanish folks. God told me the Spanish are going to pioneer more than any other group of people. Amen. So we're working with them. That's the reason I've translated all my books into Spanish. And then God told me to write the book that helped everybody fulfill it. So I wrote the book, 70 Reasons for Speaking in Tongues. How many speak in tongues? How many know that 90% of the people that speak in tongues only use 10% of the benefits and purposes that God gave it? Have you noticed in the Elijah list, they're advertising this once a month? And his wife said this transformed her life. Well, I've had testimonies of people read this, got healed, got delivered. One lady said she prayed in tongues for nine hours and was healed of Lyme's disease. The doctors couldn't do anything with it. I mean, God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, couldn't find a better gift and help the Holy Ghost. He said, well, give me the best gift I can give the saints. And he come up with the one, your own spirit language. Amen. Then, because every move of God, every restoration movement, every reformation, the devil tries to counteract and bring up a lot of false doctrine. So no difference today. We've got all, I've noticed all the false doctrines that's come over the last 500 years that developed there have sprung back up in the last five, 10 years. So I wrote the book on how can these things be? Subtitle, a preacher and a miracle worker, but denied heaven. How can these things be? And then I just finished the book we're going to talk about tonight, God's World War III. This book, both these books cover the same period of time. This covers the Third Reformation from the kingdom perspective. The seven mountains, the kingdom, thy kingdom come, and how we're supposed to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How many believe he's supposed to pray that? So many of us evangelicals and Pentecostals pray the Lord's Prayer like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Wrap yourself as soon as you can. But did he, did he tell you anywhere to pray to get out? No. He said, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done here at CI tonight, just like it's being done in heaven. Amen. In your house, in your home, in your business, wherever it is. Amen. We're going to have Ed Savoso here this week. I brought him in because he's the strongest minister I know of that's propagating the transformation of nations and the seven mountains. Amen. And then this covers the same period of time, except that started 2008, and this is activated in 2016. God's World War III. 
Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the Teaching of the Week. We wanted to take a quick moment to invite you to a conference that we have coming up here in October, and that is our 2017 International Gathering of Apostles and Prophets. It's going to be a wonderful time of celebrating Christian International's 50 years in ministry, but it's not just about celebrating the last 50 years, but it's about God coming and giving us tools and keys to equip us and those connected with us for the next 50 years of seeing God's kingdom brought down to earth. So the dates on that are October 16th to the 19th. We have amazing speakers, including Bishop Bill Hammond, Jane Hammond, and Dr. Chuck Pierce is also going to be joining us, along with many, many speakers from all over the world. So we invite you to come and be a part of this. It's going to be an amazing time of celebration. For more information, you can visit www.christianinternational.com. Now, right now, we are a natural people, I mean, a physical people, but we, we fight in a spirit realm. Israel is God's natural people, and they fought natural wars. They killed flesh and bone human beings, right? And I'm going to show you where God killed more people in the Old Testament than he saved. I see I'm only got a little work to do tonight. <laughs> uh, how many believe Scripture? You'll be a believer till we get to the end then. And then... I just heard on news the other day that they were declaring that we've entered World War III in a world called a cyber war. And it starts out a cyber war, but it ends up a war of blood and battle and ending. We're going to start out, we're going to kill demons, principalities, and powers, because we battle, but not with flesh and blood. Come on. We're in a mortal body, but we fight from the spirit realm. I'm going to show you our weapons tonight because most people know we have weapons, but they don't know what they are or how to use them. But this is going to start up. But the end result of this is Revelation 19. And how many know what Revelation 19 says? Jesus is going to come on his white horse, whether it's symbolic or real. I rode horses most of my life in my early days, so I'm looking forward to it. Big white stallion, you know. But he says by his word, and it's an army of saints with him that are coming, and they're going to kill I would destroy all the anti-Jesus, anti-Christ people on planet Earth, off the Earth, and the false prophets and the wicked are going to be cast into the lake of fire. It starts out in the spirit, but it ends up whole beings destroyed. Amen? We're starting out a cyber war. We're in the first phase of the world's third world war, and now we're in the first phase of God's world war three. What this means is we've gone off the defensive, and we've gone on the offensive. They didn't get that over here. Let me say it again. We're not just holding on, we're possessing. Amen. We're not in Egypt. See, the journeys of the children of Israel is typical of the church. I got a chart in here showing all of that. We are now restorationally, not in Egypt, not in the wilderness. The Protestant movement of 1500 brought us out of Egypt. Evangelical movement crossed through the Red Sea, Baptist, water baptism, and on and on, each journey and spot was a restoration of the church typology. The f- prophetic apostolic movement crossed us over Jordan. And now, in the Third Reformation and in World War III, we're at Jericho. And we're entered the full-time campaign that's not going to stop till the kingdom of this world become a kingdom of our Lord and His Christ. Amen. If you say, I'm tired of warfare, back up, re-look, and say, hey, it's, it's joy. I love a good fight. 
we're going to fight tonight. You're going to kill demons right and left. You say, can you kill demons? I say, I don't know, but I sure deactivate them. <laughs> Amen. I put them out of business. Praise God. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And uh, this, this is where we are. How many has been in one of my warfare places? Oh, several. Yeah, all over. Now, let me explain how it got started out. Before I got all this revelation, in 19, middle 1990s, I was in uh, California. was having a conference out there. And, and two prophets came to me at different times and said, Bishop, God it wants you to go to all the Pacific nations and do warfare. I said, what for? He said, I don't know this. God said it. So I came home, started seeking God, and God said, the devil is planning a World War III of Eastern nations against Western nations, and there's an unholy alliance trying to be formed between two communist nations and a Muslim nation, just like Germany and Japan and Italy formed a trilateral agreement. They're trying to make a trilateral agreement and said, I want you to go and lead the church in these different nations on the Pacific realm and destroy the plans and purposes of the devil. He says, if you, the church, win it 25%, then it'll be 75% in the natural. If you win it 50%, it'll be otherwise. But if you win it completely, there will not be a nations to nations World War III because it's not my plan, it's the devil's plans. Remember, anything the devil's doing, the devil plan, we can destroy, we can stop, we can negate, and we can take over. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, how many Christians we got here? How many have broke your covenant with the devil? That's all four of you. Okay. You say, well, I never did have one. Well, I found about 90% of Christians do. It's an unspoken covenant. It goes like this, an attitude. Devil, you don't bother me, I won't bother you. You don't bother my children, I won't cast your demons out of people. You don't bother my finances, I won't give a hilarity to the church. I be good Christian, may you be bad devil, may we never meet this side of eternity. But the devil's a covenant breaker. Jesus said the devil's a liar. And he can only come to you for three purposes, rob, kill, and steal, and destroy. There's nothing in him can do good for you. He'll promise you the moon and give you a mud puddle. People say, well, you shouldn't. They say, how do you go to all those nations? And I mean, and when I went to those nations, I started out in South Korea. First, I think it was in that first nation I went and did warfare. But I went to South Korea, Japan, the Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Singapore. And then went over to Australia. And then we're coming to California and, and Washington and Alaska. But I went to mainly, I went to those about every two years from 1996 to 2001. And we went warfare. I remember, I'll give you one example. When we was in Singapore, there's about 100 ministers on the platform. And I don't remember how many people was out here. But I led them in a warfare because Singapore was the closest that I kind of felt to get to Japan, I mean, to China. And we, sh we, we shouted and shot rockets and missiles of the anointing and would blow up these communication centers these spirits had and we confused the issue and we did this for about every other year until 1996 to 2001 and in 2001 I was in Singapore and God said the battle is won you've won it there will not be a world war three from the devil at this time amen so when we stop now I know some of you are looking at me like you think you can stop for that I, I didn't do it. I led warriors in all of those nations. Amen. I don't go by myself. I just go as a five-star general to lead the army. Just as Sidney Jacobs prophesied and a few others that God had made me a five-star general in the army of the Lord. 
So we just lead them in that. See, you as an individual don't want to tackle something that takes an army to take. You don't try to drive down the street and, and close everything that's not of God. You've got to take warriors with you. You need an army. So always go with an army. I've got a good army tonight. I'm going to bring out a little later, but I'll do it now. You know, we have power in the shout. And it goes off in the spirit world like this atomic bomb goes off in a natural world. It's the greatest weapon we have corporately. Now, I was looking for something, see if it had anything for me to help me on it, writing this book. And I got about 12 books on spiritual warfare. And they all said about the same thing. But it all had to do how you as a person overcome your faults, the flesh, the devil, and how you resist the devil and cast devils out. It was all personal, but nobody had written anything on corporate warfare. And that's what I've been doing. And that's what we're going to do tonight as an army. I said, we're an army. And, and, and we, God said, you know, in the word Deuteronomy 32, 30, one can put, two can put. See, God's military math is not one plus one equals two. One plus one goes to the power of 10. Amen. So one can put a thousand of flight, two, 10,000, three, 100,000, four, a million, seven, a billion, 10, a trillion, and on and on, every third one is another alien, and you go up to 100, and they can put one plus 300 zeros. Now, that's in American. Uh, the old English is 600 zeros. One plus 300 zeros. We have unlimited power within us. How many has got Christ in you? Do you know you have that which created everything you see and know. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and all things were created by the Word, and without the Word, nothing was created. You've got that living Word within you that when you shout, that Word goes forth. When God shouted, let there be everything you know in heavens, earth, earth, and everything came into being. God spoke out of his mouth everything and came into being. I mean, there's power within us. I'm, I'll try to get to that a little more down the road here. Now, let me say that this book covers it from the Acts 3.21, which says, Jesus is held in the heavens until. How long? Come on. Until all things are restored, which are spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So this covers the kingdom, the seven mountains people, and how transformation of nations, making goat and sheep nations, and all that, and the power in it. Whereas this book covers it from the warfare aspect. And I was, when I was at Azusa back in April, I know they were, I spoke at the planting of the tree next day at Azusa Street. And I told them, I said, look, throughout the Bible pattern, prayer and repentance is a start of deliverance. And transformation, but it's not the end. I said, we've been repenting. We've been quoting 2 Chronicles 7, 14 for 50 years. If my people which are called by my name shall pray and repent, turn from the wicked ways, I'll heal their land. But you take every example, whether it's Gideon and the Israel situation, on down the line, there's five or six major illustrations, Moses and on and on. They started out, people cried out to God, repented, and wanted to turn from their sins and their ways, then God raises up a prophet, and then the prophet raises up a man, and a man raises up an army, and the army takes the land. God sent a prophet Moses, and he got them out of Egypt, took them through the wilderness, but then he had to raise up Joshua and an army to take and possess the land. And we're now in the place of possessing. We're not just holding on, we're possessing. 
I said, we're not just holding on, we're possessing. And if you don't get that take it over mentality, you're in bad trouble. We're about to see some of the most glorious days ever in the church and some of the most horrendous, horrible days America has ever faced. And you, you cannot get by tomorrow on what we had yesterday. You've got to come up higher. Amen. And it says we have weapons of warfare. How many believe we have weapons? And it says they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Why do we need to go into offensive warfare? Let me give you a few. To tear down strongholds of evil, stop the plans of the devil, and advance the kingdom of God. Two, make an open heaven. Tonight we're going to make an open heaven here, and it's going to resound to your house, your place, and your business, and your church. And then it's to activate the vision and spirit of warfare within the saints. I'm going to give you an activation tonight that will stir up and activate that warrior spirit. How many know that Jesus is a warrior? God's a warrior. Jesus is a warrior. Holy Spirit's a warrior. And your spirit language is a warrior. Whatever one is, they all is. <laughs> okay? How many would rather be here in the best hospital in town? Good. Now, for an appeal to heaven. Apostle Thomas, in his message, was it Sunday, talking about when you make an appeal to heaven or when you have to make an appeal in a court, you've got to come up with new evidence to, in order to bring it up. Well, we've got new evidence. We're not living in the first century. We're not living in the first reformation. We're not living in the second reformation. We're in the third reformation. And the early church was planted in martyrdom that the last generation church may be reaped with resurrection life and destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is not coming back as a lamb to be beat up. You got to see a new Jesus. He's a roaring lion of Judah. I said he's a roaring lion of Judah. And he's not coming back to be beat up or to be submitted to man. He's coming back to destroy every wicked, evil spirit man. And he's going to come as king of kings and lord of lords. And he's got a two-edged sword. And he's coming to smite and take over and take all wickedness off the earth. Make a new heavens and a new earth. So the lion and the lamb, thank God for the lion, but he's also the, I mean the lamb, but he's also the lion. How many know he's got two natures? How many married folks you got here? How many know your wife or husband has two temperaments? Sometimes they're the lion, sometimes they're the lamb. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. First Corinthians, for, for you that don't know it, First Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10.1, 11, it says, all that happened to Israel in history happened not just to give a record of Israel, but for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. How many think we're at the end of the ages? Come on, we're in, we're in Ephesians 1.10 now, where it says that when the fullness of the times, it says the period, dispensation of the fullness of the time, or the period of the fullness of time, and we've entered into that stage now. It says when the fullness of time comes, God sent his son, and God has appointed time, but now we're in the fullness of times, like Revelation 10.7 says, angels stood with one foot on the land, one on the sea, and declared... Delay shall be no longer. Now all mysteries are going to be revealed, all scriptures fulfilled, and we're going to see the culmination. Then God raises up that great two witnesses of apostles and prophet warriors, and they're going to do demonstrating the kingdom of God like never before. And it's not going to stop until they're shouting in heaven and earth, the kingdoms of this world now have become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus and his anointed church. Amen. Now, I know most of you are waiting to die and go to heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die to get there. But you want to go to heaven. I made it. Thank God. Eternal vacation. Heaven is not eternal vacation. 
Heaven is eternal vocation. God has worked 6,000 years to bring a people in his image and likeness that can fulfill his original purpose for the human race, and that is to co-labor with him to fulfill eternal purposes, eternal things throughout a million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, alien, and everlasting. You know, I'm amazed some people, oh, they, they got the old dark age, I'm going to heaven, and be this halo over my head, and I'm just floating through space, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you're just a spooky spirit floating through space. Millions of years just orbiting space. The most people get carnal more. They want to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and eat, 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 eat to their big blob floating off in space, you know. <laughs> people have a weird... Heaven is the realest... Heaven's more real than we are. See, earth is just a reflection of... The, it's just a shadow of the real thing. There'll be government, business, ministry, fun, building, establishing, creating. And Ben's, I'm a five-star general. General Michael and I are going to make sure all of you keep the line. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm just joking, seriously. All right. <laughs> Look at Ephesians 6.10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Say, be strong. Be strong. The power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, for we are warring against evil powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual armies, hosts, I mean armies, of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God and go home and play church. No, no. You are in Canaan, spiritually. The church is now advanced for the military campaign to not stop. If you're tired of fighting Go back and join one of those churches. They'll put a little pacifier in your mouth and say, don't cry, hang on, Jesus is coming at any moment. But if you want to be a warrior, awake, arise, and shine, for the light is coming, the glory of the Lord is risen up on you. Amen? God's looking for warriors. God loves warriors. I was in Korea years ago and I was preaching and I said, God hates wimps. You know, there's dead bone, backboneless, spineless, jellyfish, lukewarm, cold, indifferent, worthless Christians. I said, God hates wimps. And I thought, hmm, do I have a scripture for that? How many of you should have a scripture for something you're saying? So I thought a moment and said, yeah, I do. Revelation 3, told the Laodicean church, I would that you were hot or cold, but because you're wimpy, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Wow, got it. Now, Israel is and was, was and is, God's chosen natural people. They had a natural battles, a natural land, a natural place. They had to take it. Now, Canaan was the headquarters and home for the nation of Israel, and they had to possess it. You know, God, you ever wonder why God chose Canaan? How many believe God chose it? He showed Abraham, this is your land. You know why he chose that one? I didn't figure he did. Okay. It's in the book. <laughs> Two reasons. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. Your portion in your lifetime is just to walk, look, and walk the diameters, the borders of this, and claim it. Decree it. It's yours, and, and it'll be. But his fifth prophecy he got from God, God said, but let me tell you something. You can't possess it now because two reasons. One, I'm going to send your descendants to Egypt, and they're going to stay there for about 400 years so they become a nation, until they become multos, millions of people. 
because when you come back to possess this land, you and your family is not enough. You've got to possess it for you're going to drive out all the inhabitants and you've got to possess it. And second, the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. In Genesis chapter 15, it says the sin of the Amorites is not yet full. So two things it speaks here. Jesus hadn't come back yet because he doesn't have the army ready he needs. Come on. There's a certain number he needs for the eternal body of Christ and for this day and hour. Two, the world's cup of iniquity is not full. The world has to get more wicked than it is now. The church has to get more glorious and victorious and powerful than it is now. It's two contrasts. The world's going to get more wicked and more wicked. It's going to get more righteous and more righteous. That doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for our nations. And besides, there's going to be goat and sheep nations according to Matthew 25, 31. And we're going to have to do something quick because our nation is getting more like a goat than a sheep. Come on, how many, how many, how many USA people here? How many agree we need God to move? When we do warfare tonight, we're including take control of the election. Amen. All right. Now, let me just help a few of you here. God told Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and chapter 9, he said, I'm sending you into a land, and there's about 3 millionites there, Canaanites, Pergocytes, Jebusites, everything that bites. And um, he said, you've got to go in and dispossess them. And I've already decreed that they have passed, they've committed the unpardonable sin. They have sent away their day of grace. And I have already, as judge of the universe and the judge of mankind, I've sentenced them to death and to hell. You go execute my judgments. And he said, when you go in, annihilate, kill every man, woman, boy, girl, young, old, good-looking, fat, skinny, pretty, don't make any difference. I don't want one thing that breathes a human left alive in Canaan. Good thing they didn't have the UN then that had some battles. How many, if you're Joshua's army, would have had a hard time going in and killing everything that breathes? Take babies, slam them against the wall, kill them, cut off heads, round swords through. Do you believe God told him to do that? That was your God? You're not sure, huh? When God demands commit sentence upon a people, he tells them, go and have no mercy. He said, have no mercy. Go in, and he said, you either kill them or I'll kill you. There's a place that says that. And I mean, it's kind of like the, the brother, the man that God wanted to go into ministry. And he didn't want to go into ministry, and so God gave him a vision. There was a casket, and there was a pulpit. <laughs> suddenly, he, suddenly he felt led to go into the ministry. <laughs> Let me just read you. How many love to have the scriptures on something? Listen to these scriptures. I'm going fast, so hang on. Sorry for the interpreters, but try to hang in there. Point E, Jehovah God, a mighty warrior, a powerful fighter for his people. Say, God fights for us. Exodus 15, 3. The Lord is a man of war. He's a mighty warrior. Is that your God? Joshua 10, 40 and verse 42. Joshua conquered all the land of Canaan because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Joshua 23.10, one of you can chase a thousand because God fights for you. Deuteronomy 21.17, Deuteronomy 20 gives you the scripture. Let me read one here to you. A couple I was going to read to you. I hadn't read your scripture yet, have I? I've quoted about 40. Let me read you in Joel 3. 
Here's what not. Prepare for war. Proclaim this among the nations and at CI. Let <laughs> all the men and women of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm a warrior. That word strong can be interpreted warrior. Everybody say, I'm a warrior. Assemble and come all you nation and gather together all around. All you mighty war angels, come on down. Join us. Praise God. Now, I want you to read Deuteronomy 20 right quickly. We're hurry because Jesus is coming soon. I know you want to go on vacation. All right. Deuteronomy 20. I mean, really, God's got a sense of humor. If you don't believe me, go home and look in the mirror. He made you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I had to break something. Some of you, it looks like it's frozen. Now, this is for us tonight. Verse 20, Deuteronomy. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses, chariots, and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. See, that's what I was going to tell you about Deuteronomy 7, 1 and 9, 1. He said, I'm sitting against these seven major nations who are greater and mightier than you. How you like it when God says, go do this, but you don't have the wherewithal to do it. He said, I'm sitting you against nations greater and mightier than you. But he says, don't worry about it. I'm going to be the great equalizer. I'm going to fight for you. How many believe one man and God make a majority? God makes a majority by himself. But God does nothing on earth without mankind. He, he'll do nothing with us, without us, and we can do nothing without him. Now, let the Lord your God, for the Lord your God is with you. Say, God's with us. Who brought us up, up from the land of sin. So it shall be when you are on the verge of battle. So we're on the verge of battle that the pre preachers shall approach the people and speak to the people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O church, today you're on the verge of battle with your enemies. And we're going to battle just pretty soon. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. Why does God always, first thing he says, to whether it's Moses, David, or Joshua, tells them to do something, the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. He must know us. And he says, when you go out to battle and it's odds are 10 to 1 or 5 to 1 or 2 to 1, it looks impossible, don't be afraid. Don't be shook up. Be trusted. Reminds me of a couple, two or three years ago, the prophets prophesied out in California that the big wave was coming and a third of California is going to go into the ocean. That's been prophesied since the 50s when they discovered that fault line. Anyhow, so they said it's going to happen by September, one person did. And they called me and said, prophet, prophet. What do we do? What do we do? Uh, is it going to happen? I said, no, it's not going to happen. So how do you know? I said, it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. But what if it does? I said, okay, what if it does? What's going to happen? So it comes, earthquake, or shake, whatever it does, and it shakes up, and you're killed immediately. You go to heaven. I said, you're ready, aren't you? Oh, yeah, you go to heaven. Or shakes up, and you get injured, and you all get burned, and you broke a leg, and you suffer six months and die, and go to heaven. Or... You're preserved and you feed the 5,000 and you help the people for 25 years and die and go to heaven. So what you worried about? What you worried about? If you get a little bit worried, just get Fox Book of Martyrs and start reading it. Just get Fox Book of Martyrs and I guarantee you, you'll find what you're going through is nothing. I'm not worried about it. I, I, I know who I think should be president and, I, th and I, look, I like the platform a lot better. But I tell you, I don't care who gets it. I'm trusting God, and we're going to church. God's not looking to the world. He's looking to the church. And the church is the determining factor. 
And if the church doesn't start get unified and get more biblical principles and start learning, we're gonna, you're going to see some horrendous times on this earth. In fact, Cindy Jacobs prophesied in 1996 that if America didn't get turned around, he was going to turn us over to Muslim rule for a while. That'd be worse than communism. I tell you, Muslim rule would be worse than communism. I'd rather, not, I'd rather stir myself up and go to war and win the victory without having to be pressed into it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, let me leave you for more. Do not fear, for God himself fights for you. Deuteronomy 3.22. God himself fights for you. Does for God fight? Do you get the idea God's a fighter? Does God fight? Okay. Somebody said, but now, but God doesn't kill anybody personally. He hires the devil to do it. God takes care of his own business. Amen. Exodus 14, 30, 13 and 44. Do not be afraid. The Lord will fight for you. Second Chronicles 32, 8. Our God is with us and will help us fight our battles. Second Chronicles 20, 15. Thus says the Lord to King Jehoshaphat, do not be afraid nor dismayed. The word dismayed means lose heart, lose hope, lose confidence, all shook up. Say, I'm not shook up. Don't be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Psalm 24, 7, 10. Who is the king of glory? We had a man one time, preacher, come here and said, we got to get the glory. we got to get the He came down, laid down at the altar for two hours, waiting for the glory. My Bible says, who is the king of glory? He's that guy that lays on the floor waiting for something to happen. Now, my Bible says, he's strong and mighty in battle, the Lord of the heavenly armies. He is the king of glory. If you want some glory, get up and fight. If you want some glory, get up and get the anointing moving in God. Amen. Now, just a few more things. Job 38, 22, 23. God asked Job, said, Job, have you been to my armory? He says, have you seen these hailstones I have reserved? for the time of trouble and the day of battle and war. We were down in Mexico City about three years ago, and I led them in warfare, about 3,000 people there. We led them in warfare, and we did a shout. And while we were shouting, it came a hailstorm in July in Mexico City. Was anybody there? Some of you here, I know um, Tim and Sarah were with me. We was having the tri- three generations conferences, and hailstorms fell. And God said, I'm confirming to the Mexicans I'm going to fight for them. Mexican Christians, amen? God, we've had angels up here. We've had fire. And, we've had, and I was just in Nigeria with Archbishop Cletus. Stand up here, Cletus. Stand up. We were just in Nigeria with him. He got several churches under him there. And we was over there. We had about 3,000 people inside the church, outside there. So I said, we're going to go to war tonight. And we're going to shout for the birthing of the Third Reformation into Nigeria. And we're going to decree that the Muslim ISIS groups is trying to invade the southern Nigeria is going to be pushed back. And we went to war, and we had a different sign than we've ever had before. While we were warring for the birthing of the Third Reformation in Nigeria, a lady at the church birthed the baby at the church. A sign we never had before. <laughs> and, the, and she brought the baby the next night, and I, they had me hold it up and declare That was a sign that God had birthed the Third Reformation there in the nation. Amen? Happened. And then I saw on the news the other day where Nigeria battled for four days 
and pushed them back somewhere. Did they push them back north? Good. We agreed they had to go back beyond the airport. I mean, this works. I said, this works. Man, if I could give you all the testimonies in Papua New Guinea that we've done it three times there. And I'll tell you, the one, the one time we went against the spirit of corruption, and the next day they issued a warrant for the arrest of the president, and he fled the country. Amen. And the next year I came, the Speaker of the House was the one that was in charge. They invited me to the White House. I don't know what color their house is, but the government house. And they put a dinner on in honor of the prophet. And the, the House of the Speaker of the House spoke. And I spoke. But he spoke. And I've got the speech in my files. And he started going about how much had happened in the nation since we started doing warfare. Crime had gone down, uh, economy had gone up, just numerous, numerous things. I'm telling you, saints, we are the determining factor for what happened. We are God's actually appointed executor of His will. Amen. Now, how many believe that God really fights Himself? No, He doesn't fight Himself. Himself fights. <laughs> now, how many, how many not for sure? As usual, you don't want to identify yourself. But I know a few of you there, so let me help you. Turn to Joshua 10, and we're going we're to go to warfare here before midnight. Joshua. Everybody say Joshua. Joshua. Deuteronomy, Joshua. God, in this book here, I show you in chapter 2 why God is justified in killing human beings that are wicked. Does God kill? Yes. Does he personally do it? Yes. How many believe in the flood of Noah? Who sent the flood? The devil, an angel, God. Historians tell us, statisticians, that 20 million people were living on planet Earth when, when God sent the flood. How many did he kill? How many did he save? He killed 19,999,992 and saved eight. Did he kill more than he saved? You're getting the picture. You say, but, 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 but God didn't. Per- I'm going to show you God fights with his own two hands. Look at this right here. Come on, this is going to shock some of you Santa Claus Jesus saints. Now, how many remember the story of where they started battling in Canaan? By the way, Joshua and Caleb were the two that were the old timers. Uh, Apostle Leon prophesied to me years ago and a couple of other prophets prophesied that I'd have the anointing of Caleb. Well, three more years and I'll be able to say I'm 80 and five years old and still able to lead God's people in war. And I'll be doing it. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. Now, I want to show you here that God's a fighter. Now, I'll shock some of you by telling a story. Not a story, story. An incident. It, this is quite a while ago. Just, it takes some of the older timers to remember this. That's, under, that's over 50, 40, probably or 50. But you remember a, a fighter, boxer by the name of Holyfield? Well, his wife came to our conference. He, he, at that time, he was born again. I don't know what he's doing now or then, but he was born again. And she was a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And she came down here, and she got Robert Gay's tape on. He's a warrior. He's a mighty man. And, and he did. She took it back, and Holyfield did shadow boxing to this, this course, warfare course. And then he got in a ring with the devil. And I can just see the Holy Spirit saying, left, left, right, right. Hit, deep, deep, go, boom. The devil bit his ear off, but he whipped that devil. Amen. <laughs> you say, does God get in a fight? Yes, he loves a good fight. He's a man, not a mouse. 
God is a mighty warrior. Say, God's a mighty warrior. Now, I want you to show you here that God gets personally involved. This is a story where the Gibeonites had deceived Joshua and made, Joshua made covenant with them. Once he made covenant, he couldn't break it, even though he discovered there were really ites in the land of Canaan and they're supposed to be liberated and wiped out. And so but they make covenant with them. And then the five Amorite kings of the mountains in the north hear that they've made covenant. Well, they know that Gibeon is a capital city and the army's there and they've got a big army and great warriors. And they say, if, man, if the Gibeonites with their army join Israel, we're going to have twice as much trouble as that. We better go down and wipe the Gibeonites out before they join forces with Israel. So the Gibeonites hear about it, and here's what they do. Verse 6 of chapter 10 of Joshua. And he came, and the, and the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war, say people of war, with all the mighty men of valor. Have we got any men and women of valor here tonight? Just a few wimps. Okay. And the Lord said, everybody say the Lord said. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Now, I'm going to read this like quick. Now, I go back and tell you what I just read because you don't have a big enough imagination, some of you, to grasp it. So, I'll dramatize it to you. Are you ready? So, here, listen to the question. Verse 8. Now, notice they marched all night and they're going to fight all day. Now, I've got about 15 swords in my office besides a great big lion mounted on a mirror. And I, those swords weigh about 5 pounds or some of them almost 10 pounds. And they're, and they're heavy. I couldn't swing them 20 times, really. And but they're going to march all night. Anybody ever marched all night? Marched all night, and they're going to fight all day. And this is not going to be an ordinary day. This is going to be a day almost 48 hours long. Because Joshua is going to command the sun to stand still and the moon to be still. And God has to jump on the ball right quick and say, solar system, Milky Way, galaxy, everybody stop, but keep your, keep your, keep your force field working. But you don't understand that. Okay. How many know when a miracle takes place, God's got to jump in and help us out? Now, so let me read this to you. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Hordron, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel, 600,000 soldiers coming, working on about 300,000 of the enemy. And they're on the descent of the Beth Horon, that the Lord, if I say the Lord, cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than all the 600,000 soldiers of Joshua killed in all the 24 hours of fighting, than Israel killed with a sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in that day, and the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, moon in the valley of Ashkelon, and the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the people had revenge upon their enemies. And verse 16, 14, and there has not been a day like that before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Now, let me help you. Some of you don't have a good imagination. Here's what's happened. General Michael's here with God. God's 
sitting on the throne of heaven, looking down, watching. And he says, hey, General Michael, that's my boy, Joshua. Look at that. Wow, did you? He sliced that head off. Boom. Did you see that head roll in there? <laughs> Man. Then he rammed. How many has ever seen a Spartan 300? That, that's, that's a picture of the, uh, that's a picture of Joshua and his army. They had 600,000. They had 300. And then it, I mean, he just fighting. He said, man, look at that. And he finally said, look at that. He got that one. Woo. Look at, look at, boy. Chum, 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 boom, chum, chum, boy. He said, he said, woo. He said, I got to get in on this. I just can't take it anymore. He says, Michael, go to my armory. Bring me those great big ice bombs and some of the little bullets. Brr, I'm on. <laughs> Michael bombed back with great big ice bombs. And God said, hey, Josh, there's 500 getting away over that hill. Don't worry about it. I got them. Boom. Body parts blown everywhere. Eyeballs, heads, legs, arms. Boom. So I told you you didn't visualize it. <laughs> you just heard it died. They didn't fall of a heart attack. They were killed. Then he said, hey, Josh, there's a thousand coming up behind you. Don't worry, I got them. Boom, boom, boom. One thousand body parts flying everywhere. Sweet Jesus. Now, that went on for hour after hour after hour. An extended day to almost 20-hour day. We don't know exactly how much. And finally, about four o'clock in the afternoon, it says Joshua and the three, and his no, that's Gideon. I'm jumping through two stories. But, but God fought. I don't have time to tell you about that. You have to go read it. It's in the book. <laughs> God took his own hands, threw ice bombs, and killed. He said, now there was probably 300,000 coming against Joshua's 600,000. And he said, Holy Spirit, when you inspire Joshua to write this book, you remind him and tell him, I participated, and you write... More were they that God killed with the hailstones than the 600,000 soldiers of Joshua killed with the sword. I'm a mightier warrior than Joshua. God's a mighty warrior. Hallelujah. Okay. We've got to hurry. Jesus almost here. All right. Any moment. Now, let me give you just, uh, I can't have time to cover all of this, but everything we do is a prophetic act. We are physical flesh and bone people that's fighting in the heavenly realm. Come on. How many know we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? We're in heaven. So we fight in the spirit. But how do we fight? We fight with prophetic acts. Everything we do in church is a prophetic act. When you got saved, it was a prophetic act. A prophetic act is acting on the word of God, expecting with faith that it's going to produce the results. How many got saved once? What action did you take to get saved? Well, if you may have walked down the aisle, you may have stood there, and the preacher led you in a sinner's prayer. And you believed in your heart, and what did you have to do? Confess with your mouth. Confessing with the mouth is an action. Come on, it's an action. And everything is made up of actions. And uh, the body language talks a lot. How many know that? Thank you for listening to Christian International's Teaching of the Week. For more information on conferences, training intensives, and other resources to help make a powerful difference, please visit our website at christianinternational.com.